Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of Immortals. My name is Rishi Chaudhary, and I'm here with Ishan Chavanan, an executive coach and wellness expert who is also the founder of the Yoga of Immortals program. Mr. Chavanan, how are you? Very fine, Rishi. How are you? I am amazing. Next, we're here with Ria Priyani. Uh, she studied business management at King's College London for her bachelor's degree. She recently finished her master's degree on strategic fashion marketing at the London College of Fashion. She's currently a business analyst at Deloitte. Ria, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Uh, so with that being said, Ria is going to be taking over this podcast. And yeah, Ria, take it away. Hi, Shanji. How are you? I'm excellent. So nice for you to be here. And I'm sure we are about to do some discussions that can surely help the people who are listening. I do have a few questions regarding the people of my generation, because I feel like we're living in such times where we have a lot of stressful situations around us. So I was just wondering if you could share some, some of your insights on this. One of the main things that I've, re- that I've realized recently is that a lot of us are comparing ourselves to other people on social media. And we care about superficial things a lot, like looks, money, or this person has a better life than, than I do. So how would you say that we could cope with, with this kind of mentality? And how is it damaging us? So uh, there's this great gentleman called Viktor Frankl and he wrote this book called A Man's Quest for Meaning. And it explores how uh, anybody who's born, there has to be some purpose in life and how if we do not have that purpose, we are just drifting And one of the most therapeutic things to do is find meaning. Now the yogis say that earlier times it was easy to find meaning. Because if we look at the animal world, they don't need to find meaning. It is decoded in their DNA. A lion doesn't need to go to school to find that it has to hunt gazelle. A gazelle doesn't need to run away to go to higher education to find out that it has to run from the lion. It's it's decoded inside their DNA. So the animal kingdom has meaning through DNA. The early man had meaning through generational guidance. You know, just like there is instinct, early man had tradition. That what is the meaning? Oh, I do what my father did before me. My father does what their father did before me. Their father did what their father said before. The trouble comes when you are not in tune with your biology to find the meaning. And there are no traditions. So how does a normal person find meaning is... The yogi says through conformism. And conformism means following the crowd. Now the trouble with following the crowd is today you are following 30 people. Tomorrow you see a crowd of people that is 40 in numbers and doing something else. Then you have to follow them because that is what conformism is. Following the bigger crowd. So all the time. There is a constant state of stress and anxiety. Now we have to realize what Frankl said, that there has to be some form of meaning in our life. And we have to understand to find that meaning, either there is the DNA or there is the tradition or there is the problem of conformism. But the problem of conformism only exists If we don't follow the fourth part, the fourth part is the yogi's part. And the yogi's part explains is, yes, there is the possibility of DNA. 
yes you can follow tradition but at the same time if you go inside try to create a stillness and silence then you would be much better grounded your perception would be much better and you will be able to hear the inner voice and perceive the path that you want to take so the question that we have to ask ourselves is which path are we taking to find the meaning if we are on the conformism path then there will always be trouble because we will always be looking at others to give meaning to us we will make ourselves a walking talking billboard we will fall in the trap of personal branding just like the kids when they were young i remember in the 90s there was gi joe he man barbie you had your action figure and you would decorate it so to people have their bodies and they have a personal branding but again that branding is not their inner meaning it is an outer meaning provided by somebody else so the yogi's path is a bit tough but it is a very fulfilling path it is the path of going inside and finding meaning through meditation and if that is done then all the anxiety that comes out of conformism can be dropped and you have to understand if ever you want to be successful or if ever even a fashion icon then the thing about fashion is you start something new first the world laughs then they ponder then they follow so this meaning needs to be found meaning through meditation and i'm sure that can help the young people yes i totally agree with this because as it was mentioned before i did do my master's degree in fashion and the only reason why i did that was because i wanted to make a difference in this world i wanted to show that sustainability is a very important thing and we cannot overlook it and how that can be incorporated in the fashion world and we don't need to buy so many clothes to show our friends or to maintain some kind of social status but it's very interesting that you spoke about how people are following other people and we just chase the crowd but at the same time do you think that the people who do have a purpose in their life or that do follow a different path a more disciplined path they sometimes find it difficult to interact with other people and somehow they they just find themselves a bit more isolated So how can you be yourself and have that purpose in your life but at the same time maintain relationships with with society and everyone without being diplomatic See when you are having a purpose then purpose is not just uh oh i got up in the morning and today i will have chinese food and oh i get up in the morning today i want to have sushi so i meet my family and they don't want to have sushi they want to have pizza so then there's a fight because my purpose combines with their purpose it is a crazy thing i i really love mythology because if you look at mythology and theology then always there are lessons hidden inside their stories so there is a story of ancient india where uh, there is a king called ram and his queen sita she has been kidnapped and she is on an island and the monkey god hanuman has to fly to that island to see where she is to do a recon mission and to get intel now as he is flying to that island his mission is to save the queen to save the queen that's the mission that's the purpose to save the queen 
as he is going the monkey god flying over the ocean with his mission to save the queen a demon comes in front of his path and the demon says come in my mouth now the demon had power it had magic and if it wanted you to come in the mouth you would have to come in the mouth now that was a challenge it is a fight so the monkey god in his mind does a quick evaluation fight with this unnecessary nonsensical demon or go continue my mission and save the queen to save the queen is a bigger priority in his head so when the monkey is challenged to fight with the demon the monkey god becomes small goes into the mouth of the demon like ant man comes out and flies away because the mission is more important than this temporary trigger now the same thing will happen so many times do you have a mission in life is that mission important because this demon that came and challenged the monkey god this demon is standing on every corner for everybody you get up in the morning you are going to your mission and if you are not dedicated to the mission there are so many people there are people who will cut you off when you are driving there are people who will dink your car when you are on the road there are people who will honk when you are trying to drive there are people who will be mean to you there will be people who will be challenging you and each time the demon would be come fight with me and at that time you will have to do a quick evaluation what is more important this temporary trigger or my mission and if your mission is not important not grounded not embedded in your heart in your mind then every single trigger you will indulge in it if the monkey god hanuman did not have any passion towards his mission then he would say okay queen can wait another 5 minutes 10 minutes i am god let me fight with this demon and he doesn't know what he's getting into it could have been troublesome the mission could have been compromised and that is what is very very important for us we have to understand everybody has the right to live the life they want to live we are not here to give missions to other people but we have definitely the right to choose our own mission and our own objective and the more we believe in our mission the more we believe in our work i promise you you will not be triggered by the people trying to instigate you because the thing is we human beings we are social beings if you throw a donkey in a forest the donkey will find other donkeys if you throw a zebra in the savanna it will find other zebras if you throw a giraffe it will find other giraffe every day in the night and i lived in africa for 5 years you hear different animals howling because each animal is calling out to its tribe all the donkeys are going hey chum come to me the wolves are going woo come to me so even when you are walking in your life you'll find different tribes of people even the intellectuals would be calling you come to us the yogis would be calling you come to us the monkeys would be calling you come to us and if you don't have a mission then you will inherit some other tribe's mission and spend all your life in fulfilling somebody else's quest so it is very very important find a mission believe in your mission like the monkey god and only then you will be able to succeed yes but sometimes following that path walking on that path of finding our mission or working towards our goals sometimes for example in our work life we're we're walking towards our goals we're trying to achieve everything we want but then we have this very toxic work environment or sometimes there are other people that make our path more difficult so in that case when you're walking on that path when you're working when you're trying to achieve your goals how can you leave that stress aside 
and at the same time achieve what you have to achieve. See, we can't predict. This is called managing expectations, being unconditional. Whenever we are making plans, whenever we are thinking, in our head we always have this chess board and we are thinking people will act in a certain way just because it's normal or it's supposed to or even because you are a decent person. And uh, the thing is, many times people are not decent. And uh, you are a fair person, so you are thinking people will act fair. But uh, sometimes people are not fair. And at that time when people act unfairly or people are not decent, whereas you are a very decent and fair person, there comes a state of shock that how could they act like this? Now my trouble is not here to tell you that oh we should be unconditionally accepting of people and this and that and you know my objective to tell you here is as a teacher that people will act this way because we can't predict people we don't know who will come in our path it could be the demon coming in the path of the monkey god or it could be a good person but whenever a silly incident will happen and i call this silly because people acting silly is definitely silly so the first response is going to be shock now through training what we do is we reduce the time between shock and response now you have to understand whenever something crazy happens there is a moment of shock and only through training you will go and you will reduce the distance between shock and response. That is why in schools we do fire drills. Fire drills because we understand prevention is better than cure. Because if ever there is going to be fire in the school. Doesn't matter how many times you have done training. First there is going to be the initial shock. <gasps> why this happened? But because you have been trained so very well. That time period from shock to response is less so immediately you know what to do and you'll get into action and you'll get out of the situation and you'll be safe and you'll be happy the trouble comes when there is no training from shock to response and a person remains unnecessary longer in the period of shock than they need to the more you remain in the period of shock the more vulnerable you are the more susceptible to harm you are, the more somebody can take an advantage of you. So somebody does something silly in your workplace when you're trying to do something good or somebody is acting unfair, what do we do? We go into a state of shock. Now, how long do we remain in a state of shock? Because if we remain in the state of shock, they keep on taking unfair advantage of us. They keep on abusing us. They keep on taking from us that which we have deserved. So what we have to learn to do is transition fast from shock to response. And this transitional training is what meditation helps with. And that brings us back to the whole objective of this podcast is trying to make people inspire to use a very powerful tool that is in our arsenal today and use this tool as a promotional preventative model so how you help yourself in these situations is number one manage expectations and managing expectation is a simple understanding that people have rights and people have the right to be whatever they want and sometimes some people use this right to be a jackass so understanding that some people will act like this. And number two, when such an incident will happen, we have to start training ourselves today to go in a state of shock to response. Learn crisis management. Have a crisis management protocol in our head. 
and it's silly because think about it every single day we have so many crises but do we ever think of a crisis management protocol meditation is simply that being ready for any crisis that will come so that you can do damage mitigation you can do damage prevention and you can do fast track mental emotional and physiological rehabilitation and if that is the case then slowly you will become so strong and powerful and adaptable that it doesn't even matter what people will do or say as i said your mission would be excellent so yes it's very interesting that you talk about expectations and controlling behavior how we try to predict other people's behavior or we try for them to act the way we want them to and we see this kind of pattern in our relationships as well and this is why they're becoming so toxic today so what advice would you give us on what should relationships be based on and how can meditation and having this kind of a preventive uh, anxiety preventive stress protocol help us with our with our relationships why do we want a relationship you know sometimes um, there is this old saying in uh, india is a joke actually that when a dog is chasing a car it's not like the dog wants a test drive the dog doesn't even know why he is chasing a car the dog is just chasing a car and if the car would stop one day the dog won't know what to do with it another old joke is everybody in the temple is crying half are crying because they are looking for somebody to get married to and half are crying because they are already married so the question comes is why are we looking for a relationship are we looking for a relationship because there is a hole in my heart that i want to fill and if that is the case you are looking for a relationship or are you looking for therapy why not just get into therapy if you want a relationship that can fill a hole in the heart the second is i am looking for a relationship because i have nothing better to do if that is the case and i am just bored then the person you are in relationship with that is not a hobby it is very very important that we do this introspection and find that what is the purpose of me going into a relationship and if i can understand that if i can know what i want then at least i can be honest with my partner because so many times when we are in a therapeutic setup and scenario and we are working with couples a big problems that comes is there is frustration and now why this frustration exist none of them know but there is frustration so one thing is i want something from you but i am frustrated because i don't exactly know what i want from you and it is unfair to the person in front either to be with them because you are bored or to be with them because you want to project in life or to be with them and you even don't know what you want in the old times in the time of the yogis there used to be swamvar swamvar was when the queens and the kings would work very hard on themselves and they would try to be the best 
version of themselves and then they would meet each other and the one that you would be able to impress with your prowess, with your vision, with your goals, then the person in front with the similar prowess, vision and goals would choose you and then you would choose each other based on potential prowess, goals and growth. So I believe the first thing should be good quality relationships. It's like food, you know. You can either fill your stomach with mac and cheese or you can go for a nice truffle pasta with portobello mushrooms, imported parmesan, extra virgin olive oil, fresh ground pepper. The both are just technically pasta with cheese sauce, but one is very fancy schmancy, having an excellent uh, visual appeal and a great fulfillment, whereas the other just fills you with guilt and regret. The same is with relationship. Are you in a relationship just to fill your tummy, just to, you know, be uh, with someone or do you want something of good quality? So, I'm saying this because you said that so many relationships are becoming toxic. And it would be good to understand why. And I believe if these parameters can be overcome, then at least there could be respectful, dignified and honest relationship. Because relationships are about respect. There are your goals, there are her goals and then there are common goals. If these three goals are respected honestly put forth beforehand and then fulfilled a relationship is meaningful and that is how I was able to be in a good nice relationship for the last 12 years and I hope to continue so this is my lesson and I hope it can help you as well but honesty is very very important but to be honest with others you have to be honest with yourself to be honest with yourself, at least you should know what you want. To know what you want, there has to be introspection. And then we go back to the tagline of our podcast, The Immortals, Meditation as Medication. So, yes. But then being honest in relationships and then asking that person to be financially stable or looking for some kind of even physical attraction, would that be honesty? Or would that be us looking at more superficial things in relationships? Or is, is it okay to have that honesty? Of course it is okay to have honesty in what you want in life. No matter how much I say um, not to be superficial, but again, everybody has their own standards of beauty and everybody has the right to be attracted to whomsoever they want. And you choose who you are attracted towards. But I would say don't just run towards the physical attraction. Have you know a holistic approach to relationships. There should be some cognitive attraction. There should be some mutual hobby attraction. There should be goal attraction. You can't just be with somebody who you have nothing in common with, but there is great physical attraction because in the end, you know, after some time, physical attraction goes up and down with the times. A few years ago, I had a beard and apparently it wasn't cool. Nowadays, I'm told that having a beard is hip. So, you know, suddenly I am in the attractive scale. 
earlier I was in the repulsive scale. So I would still say have a holistic approach, but why not? And when it comes to success, I come from a lineage where success is much appreciated because we directly proportionate success to the amount of help you can provide to other people. So if you say that, oh, I don't want to be successful and I just want to be, you know, that's a very selfish thing to do that just, you know, I'll provide for me, not for anybody. But why not have a dream that I provide for me? Oh, I'm capable to provide for me. Why not I provide for a few more people? Oh, I can provide for them. Why not I provide for a few more people? So then we do that. And the thing is, when you are doing this, then a lot of people may say that you are running after um, just success. But then again, if you have defined yourself, you don't need other people to define you and you are above Madhu and Ketav. Madhu and Ketav means taking the reign of your life, giving to people and chasing people's appreciation and running away from people's criticism. If you are affected by criticism and appreciation, you will never fulfill your goals. So you have your mission, you have your objective, then you are going after that success. And if you are successful and you are with somebody who understands success, then that relationship would be quite easy. But if somebody doesn't understand success and you would be setting priorities based upon helping people, then that person may not feel appreciated because that person will not understand your priorities. So this compatibility, this emotional compatibility is extremely important when you are with a person because sometimes people say that, oh, I like that person, but you know, he doesn't understand me, but it's okay. I have a lifetime to change that person. Then you are not being with a person then you are getting an IKEA furniture that, oh, I got that furniture. Now just some installation and assembly required. And many times when you are assembling the IKEA furniture at home, you end up bungling it. It is tough. You become more frustrated and it's always squeaky. So that is what even the relationship is. If you get into a project rather than a relationship, then I don't know. There may be a lot of squeaks involved. So it is good to look for that compatibility. And it's always nice to have some form of deeper attraction to somebody because that is what will help do the bond. Yes. You said very beautifully that it's very important that we define ourselves and not we shouldn't be defined by other people. So how important would you say self-confidence is in life and how we should not confuse it with ego? Uh, there is self-confidence, there is ego, and then there is the third thing, self-awareness. There is difference between self-awareness and confidence. You exude confidence. It comes, you know, you, you can't act or you can act to be confident, but then it looks like being overconfident. But if you are self-aware, it's not that you are trying to be confident. You are just being you. When a tiger walks to the watering hole, people will say, oh, it's looking so confident. It's an apex predator. It is what it is. It is self-aware. So self-awareness is different than exhibiting confidence. So I always tell people, be self-aware. Now, sometimes people say, be confident, be confident, be confident. Now, in that be confident, they say, imagine, visualize, be positive. Now, there is a difference between pushing positivity to your head and being self-aware. So I can tell myself, I am very strong, I am very strong, I am very strong, but I can't go in a boxing ring and fight with uh, Muhammad Ali. I would get whooped no matter how much mantra I have, no matter how much confident I am that I will beat Muhammad Ali. Then it is the Dunning-Kruger effect. Then it is the 
so overconfident so i don't know if my confidence is uh, acquired or if it is inherited because if i'm born in a very rich household then i'm very confident about my money and i'm walking around like a prince but then it is overconfidence because it's not my money it's it's inherited the question is am i self aware if i am self aware then i am natural ego is on the other side of the spectrum ego literally is that how my uh, guru taught me in the monastery he said that son every car needs a fuel to drive so either you have your own fuel your own inner strength your own inner understanding or if you don't have fuel a country doesn't have fuel what does it do it invades other countries to take their fuel so if a person doesn't have his own inner strength his own self respect then how he will get his own inner strength is by putting other people down that is what will give him definition that i am what i am but i am good because other people are worse i am okay because other people are pathetic for that person to have definition other people have to be pushed down that is ego and in ego or in confidence in both the times there is no self awareness in ego we are overthinking ourselves to be better than what we are in confidence we are trying to lie ourselves to be something that probably we are not but self awareness is knowing exactly what my capacity is what my ability is what my responses are just like a biologist knows completely about the species that he is studying and anthropologist knows completely about the subject matter so to a meditator knows completely about him self and then it is not confidence it is just knowing that these are my abilities and then it is not ego because it is confusing people say oh you know don't show off it's like a uh, air hostess coming on the plane and saying is there a doctor here is there a doctor and the doctor is shy that i don't want to be egoistical i don't want to admit i'm a doctor but you know i am a double doctor but you know if the doctor gets up and says i am a doctor i am a doctor doesn't mean he is being egoistical he's just self aware i am a doctor i am capable tell me where you need my help but everybody else would be thinking he is egoistical because he is self aware and that is the trouble self aware people can be uh, confused as being egoistical but then you don't have to be worrying about that because you are self aware and nobody else's label can define you so yes you highlight the importance of self awareness now as a meditative person for me self awareness comes when i meditate a lot but i have a lot of friends that say okay you need meditation to be self aware for me psychedelics do the same thing or alcohol does the same thing so how are they different how can alcohol make you self aware it is <laughs> it's biologically impossible if you look at how ethanol reacts with the body how uh, dopamine works how the whole chemical interaction with the brain happens how the hangover happens how the cortisols increase after the high is done how we feel pathetic after the alcohol so nowhere Uh, the emotions are yours it's it's the alcohol the first dopamine high when you are thinking that today i'll drink i'll drink i'll drink it is all alcohol based it's not you it's it's the body getting ready to anticipate the joy you are about to have and then when you have the alcohol one drink two drink three drink you, you, you're not there your perception reduces your cognitive functions reduces your logical and strategic awareness reduces and finally when all that is gone then after the party when the hangover is there and then the body starts to go 
even little bit of withdrawal even though you are not an addict or something like that then the body is you know feeling that oh that dehydration is there that feeling of why i did that that headache is there and again it is the alcohol so if somebody says they become self aware through alcohol i highly question their uh, statements and uh, their understanding of either alcohol or awareness and the second thing is when we are talking about psychedelics maybe psychedelics can show you higher consciousness but they can only point towards it with meditation you have open access to that higher consciousness with psychedelics you are just a tourist in that destination it's like if i today go to uh, morocco or if i today go to uh, um monaco billionaires playground and i am looking at the 500 million dollar yachts this and that and everybody knows you know i am a tourist because i can't afford anything with psychedelics you will always be a mere tourist in the realm of higher consciousness you will never be a resident so some people are happy being tourist doing little psychedelic accessing higher consciousness looking touching coming back but i don't like just tourist i want permanent residence you know maybe it's the indian genes inside me that i want you know to be stable i want my house in this realm and that is what meditation is so yes your friends are are right when they say oh i access my higher consciousness no you don't access higher consciousness you have a cheap thrill it is a tourism it is a holiday that you have taken and why it's a holiday because a holiday only lasts so long and then you can't say that oh i go to india and when i come back to barcelona i bring back the taj mahal or when i go to india i'll take the sagrada familia with me it can't happen so you'll go you'll access it's a cheap thrill because you can't bring anything back it's there you saw that's it you are you you are simple you are very plain in this realm so again you'll uh, have a cheap thrill again you'll see and there you'll be superman and here you'll be nothing so you'll want to be there and you'll have more 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 be there 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 but then it's an illusion it's a virtual reality you are living in vr and whereas in meditation you can go you can come on demand you can go you can bring states of consciousness on demand you can go you can bring wisdom and learning on demand so okay fine psychedelic civilizations have used them for a long time but after the tourism is done it is time for permanent residency when will you start that that is what i always like to say so to each his own some people are happy being tourist some people want a palace it's what you think you deserve that is all i have to say <laughs> it's very interesting how you highlight all the negative and disadvantages of alcohol yet still so many people drink alcohol and they feel this peer pressure from their friends and they feel that if they don't drink they'll be ostracized from society so what message would you have for them i would just like to say awareness you know um, we are not shown the real picture we are shown a very glamorous picture you know it's like um, how you want to show something how you show anything even cocaine or heroin or meth if you start to show uh, meth has something to be very glamorous and you know uh, james bond going to a casino and saying oh can i have meth 
now shaken and stirred and if not then i'll take the meth and i'll shake and stir so alcohol is glamorized a lot and in that glamorization we don't have the conversation of what are the ill effects of alcohol as well alcohol is one of the most prevailing substance abuse disorders it has destroyed many lives and i don't want to talk about the major problems that alcohol brings in destruction of a person his family his career what i would like to say is that we don't know that uh, our biology and there are many factors why a person can develop a substance abuse disorder it could be uh, ranging from psychological factors abusive childhood or introversion severe anxiety self medication or it could be genetic factors if we have uh, genes that are predisposed to becoming addict then there is a good chance that that addiction can run in our family so what i'm trying to say is that any person it's like a russian roulette that when you are taking your first drink you don't know if you will be a habitual drinker or you will be a recreational drinker and the trouble is we are not afraid to take the first drink is maybe because we don't have data we don't read we don't study we don't uh, understand we just see the glamorous side of things and if you only see the glamorous side of things then of course we'll take that risk because there is always a risk that you will either be a recreational user you'll you know take your friday saturday and then eventually stop doing and the whole world drinks so who cares you know uh, they are normal people they are normies but how do we know that we are not in that special breed of people you know that those unique people that have the habitual tendencies inside them maybe psychological or physiological so we are taking a risk and i am saying that if you want to take the risk don't take the risk because some friends have told you because if something wrong happens in your life then you will always blame them and when they said it maybe they are a normie maybe they can drink like champs maybe you know their families have drank like champs and nothing happens to them but you don't know where your life trajectory will go to so if you want to drink don't drink because your friends are telling you to i'm just saying make an informed decision read about alcoholism read about the different types of alcoholism because maybe you don't even know right now you are an alcoholic if you know that uh, oh these this is this is a type of alcoholism binging is not normal it is a type of alcoholism blacking out it's it's not normal it is a type of alcoholism or the body starts to crave for a substance no matter uh, what is happening it's it's not even friday and i'm saying thank god it's friday the body is craving it is some form of substance dependence i'm not saying substance abuse but some form of dependence and if you are happy with being dependent that that's your choice but at least you are aware and i believe that that awareness and education is most important and if that is given then people will make better informed decisions because if i am about to do bungee jumping and the guy tells me out of 10 four people die i won't do bungee jumping not this much and if i want to then i'm the guy reckless then i'm the daredevil sure okay jump who cares but at least it's my choice and the second thing is a lot of people drink as a form of self medication which can become harmful in the long run and chronic use can lead to abuse so if there are emotional issues that needs to be sorted out then i would recommend either a pharma approach with your therapist or a non pharma approach through a meditation teacher or yoga practice to have some form of behavioral modification that can have long term physiological qualitative impact rather than just procrastinating through self medication because self medication 
either through alcohol or something else doesn't lead to cure it leads to procrastination and it leads to symptomatic relief that thing as it remains inside becomes more toxic and can affect you in the long run so please if you feel that you are taking some form of substance to mask your emotions or to feel happy or to feel joyous or you feel you need it to become expressive then there is a deeper issue to be explored and you have the therapeutic pharmaceutical modalities to explore that issue or you have the non pharmaceutical meditative modalities to explore and heal that issue but i would really recommend to heal yourself rather than just pushing yourself and i don't blame your friends because this is the normal you know this is how society is so if they are acting in a certain way that's what they have learned it is conformist behavior but just because somebody else is doing it doesn't mean you need to i think that's what we explored in the first few questions of the podcast so yes you said that we look at things in a more glamorized way and we have this approach in life as well because we always look at things and say the grass is greener on the other side so how can we learn to be grateful with what we already have you know this term grass is greener on other side where it comes from in masai mara uh, there is the mara river and uh, the builder beast cross the river during the great migration it happens i think august july where the okavanga delta gets flooded the swamp is made the mara river becomes uh, quite full and uh, the builder beast are always crossing the river and it's great to see the great migration it's great to see the crossing wilder beast are on one side of the river and they are very very happy they are having their grass they are enjoying they are content they are you know and then suddenly something happens and one wilder beast starts to look at the other side of the mara river and you know just stare then all the other wilder beast start to stare and you as a tourist are just waiting 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 and then one day something will happen and all the wilder beasts will start to cross the river but the crazy thing is you understand why this this crossing is important because there are so many vultures and so many crocodiles waiting in the ocean uh, in the river and in the sky so that when the crossing is happening out of the thousands of wilder beasts hundreds will die and those hundreds will then sustain the ecosystem so there is something biological that pushes us that oh you know go to the other side go to the other side go to the other side explore psychologists said this to be the frontier theory and the frontier theory simply means that i am living let us say in a village or a city or a town and the boundaries of that village is my frontier so if i think i am not happy then i start to think that my happiness lies beyond the frontier beyond the boundaries of what i know so i cross that frontier i cross that boundary i make a new settlement there i make a new society and in that society there are some people who then think oh my happiness is not in this village not in this town it must be in some other frontier some other boundary so i go and out of the boundary and find a new place to civilize or settle or you know just just sit there and keep on making new place after another that is how they say the whole world got um, colonized the whole world had people reaching out to new frontiers because each time a person will not find joy so it will go to a new place to try to find that joy now frontier story states that eventually when earth is no longer left to be explored we have explored the whole earth completely and totally and now there are people who will say that oh our joy and happiness is not on earth so where they will go the next frontier would be space they would go to different planets they would go you know the next frontier 
and they say that the final frontier of exploration is space and whenever a person won't be happy in his boundaries he will go and he will cross the boundaries to find another place but the yogis say the final frontier is not space the final frontier is the self so if you want to find that joy you don't need to do that external migration that external going from one point to another you have to make an internal journey and once that internal journey is explored then the joy will come and when the joy will come then there will be no trouble of jumping river again and again because each time you jump river understand the crocodiles are waiting the vultures are waiting somebody is there to wait for you to make mistakes so that they can benefit from that so if you want to jump to the other side let it not be biological let it not be you know uh, just because you want to explore because if that is the case then the grass will always be greener on other side your happiness will always be beyond a frontier that you have not explored so either you are procrastinating happiness or you are unhappy where you are thinking that oh why i did not explore that frontier so better is where you are start that exploration go where no man has gone before and where is that your own self your own mind your own heart because if you say space is where no man has gone before some man will eventually go but inside yourself is the real place where no man has gone before and no man shall ever go after you so that is something very very important so try to practice that yes i want to come back to something you said earlier on in the podcast you said it's very important to have a mission in life to have this kind of direction so sometimes we can fall prey to over analyzing things to over planning things so how important would you say it is to have things mapped out or is it better to go with the flow you have to have things mapped out so uh, in the yogi culture it's that you should focus on the action and you should not care about the result so focus on the action and the outcome depends upon the universe the action depends upon you the outcome depends upon the universe and if you get too attached to the outcome then sometimes you would not even do the action so your duty is planning your duty is action your duty is execution and you must do it without attachment you must do it in a stoic yet passionate manner you must do it with all your strength and energy and then when it comes about result then we say uh, aste meaning if it is good for you it will happen and if it is not good for you right now then it won't happen and it will happen when it will happen but that doesn't mean that you stop acting you stop sowing the seed you stop prepping the land you stop watering the seed you do what you do you do action but when you do action focus on the action trust the universe for the outcome and if this is the way you train yourself to live um it is quite easy to be happy yes <laughs> but then how do we but develop but yes it requires training. how do we develop that sense of detachment more which is what i was going to ask you as well again it is not detachment it is awareness detachment is such a strong word oh my goodness you, you throw detachment in a conversation everybody will stop eating and will look at you that oh my god what have you spoken i never say detachment i always say awareness it is about your consciousness it is about your understanding it is about your perception you have to understand 
perception changes everything some things can't be forced some things have to be built if you look at a poet and a poet looks at the moon a poet will come out with a romantic poetry the poet will say just like the moon is alone amongst the sea of stars so too i am alone without you my beloved it is a poetry but when a dog looks at the moon the dog will howl it is the same moon but what is different it is the perception so no matter how much i say to a person oh you detach you do this you do that it is a perception it is a conscious evolution that a person has gone through or a person is mimicking you have to understand that yoga is not something that you do it is not a verb but it is an adjective it is something that evolves within you it is something that you become it is a union a lot of people today do not take yoga as an adjective they take it as a verb and because they take it as a verb they are not understanding the essence they are trying to just force yoga and if you force then you are just mimicking it is like if you see a surgeon doing surgery the surgeon knows what he is doing and you try to mimic the same thing on another body next to the surgeon you make the same cut he is making you pluck out the same thing he is plucking out and you just try to sew the same way he is sewing so maybe your patient will get saved maybe your patient may get healed but definitely you have no idea what you are doing and a lot of people when they look at the east they look at these great yogis they look at these great surgeons they try to mimic them they try to mimic and they try to say oh they practice detachment we will practice detachment they practice this we will practice this they didn't practice that they became that their consciousness evolved in such a manner that their perception changed now if you look at the moon you are the poet but if you are the dog and you are trying to be the poet then comes great problem there comes great inner conflict and turmoil so you don't want to be the dog who's acting to do yoga and acting to become a poet you want to change your consciousness you want to go inside you want to raise you want to bring some practices in your life and when that happens then automatically you don't need to practice detachment it comes naturally and then it is not even detachment it is contentment and contentment is that i i go to a uh, a sweet shop and i have a hankering for gulab jamun do you know gulab jamun yes oh definitely so nice so i have a hankering for gulab jamun i have one i have to i am content i move on you won't call it detachment you will call it contentment eventually reaching a point of equilibrium homeostasis and then continuing on your journey the problem would be if i am eating gulab jamun and now i am feeling sick i am still eating gulab jamun and now i am feeling pukish i am still eating gulab jamun not able to let go now i have diabetes i am still eating gulab jamun ready to die i am still eating gulab jamun and somebody come to me and say detach 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 and i am saying i can't i can't so this is something unhealthy going on the natural flow of energy is not there the evolution of consciousness is not there so we must stop seeing yoga as a verb and we must look at it as an adjective as an achievement and we should work upon ourselves to raise in such a manner and that is important because sahaj pake so meetha meaning it will happen when it will happen and as it is happening if you don't understand this you may feel contempt for yourself that oh why i am not feeling detached why i am not experiencing the things i should you will eventually 
But let us continue the practice and let us reach to that state. So, yes. <laughs> you spoke about so many benefits of yoga. How does that also help us navigate through all the stressful situations in our life? Think of stress as a desert. Think of yoga as the vehicle. And that vehicle can be a bullock cart or it could be a all-terrain vehicle with 500 horsepower with a V6 engine going room, room, room over the sand dunes with a lot of fun or you have a bullock cart in which you are going hoppity, hoppity, hop, hoppity, hoppity, hop. The bull is dead, so is the cart. And uh, <laughs> this is the simplest way to explain. Life is like that desert and yoga is the vehicle through which we can get through this life in a much more faster, comfortable, happy, joyous, beautiful manner. And if we don't have this vehicle, then we stumble, we fall, we make mistakes and we can get stuck in this desert and we may never even come out. So yoga helps us becoming more resilient. It helps us becoming more peaceful. It helps us becoming more relaxed. It helps us being grounded, strategic, conscious, cognitive, and if we have all these abilities and we are so grounded, then definitely we will be much more capable in life. Because uh, people say that our greatest friend is our mind and our greatest enemy can also be our mind. So yoga is the art of befriending your mind. Yes. It's very interesting that you say this because the more I meditate and the more I practice yoga as well, I realized that how we were talking about initially that shock period of people staying in that shock period for so long that it's very difficult for them to come out of it and they don't realize that there's more to there's more to the journey after the shock period. I feel like yoga really helps reduce that shock period and it really helps you be more grounded and calm during stressful during all the stressful situations at work and everything. Definitely. So thank you so very much for all your wonderful questions. And I hope that uh, everybody who's listening benefited from your questions and uh, my gratitude and regards. So over to you. Uh, thank you, Shanji uh, and uh, Ria for coming on to this podcast. To the audience, I hope you enjoyed your time with us. And I hope you'll join us on the next episode of Immortals. Thank you very much and goodbye.